Welcome to Riverside Church. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I'm just tickled that I get to speak um, for God on his uh, word, and you guys listen, um, and I just love it. It's just a privilege, uh, and I'm just very grateful for it, and uh, thank you for coming today uh, to Riverside Church. I want to ask you guys a question. Um, how hard are you willing to pursue Jesus? How hard are you willing to pursue redemption in your life. We're going to talk about plans today. We're going to talk about taking action today in our life. We're going to talk about seeing hope, seeing hope in our lives and seeking after that hope by taking action. Isn't it amazing the plans that we devise and the lengths that we go and the action that we take when we want to pursue somebody or maybe something I want to take you on a, on a trip down memory lane um, in my life, uh, and it's, I'm gonna, it's gonna kind of be a layer of this sermon, and we're gonna revisit the story later on in the sermon, but Friday, July 11th, 2008, on St. Simons Island, Georgia, I want to go to Outback Steakhouse. We haven't been there in a long time, and uh, I told my friends, let's go to Outback Steakhouse, so they, were, uh, they didn't really want to, but I did, so I went. And I was the first one there, and I was waiting for everybody to come, and uh, up comes our waitress, um, and the first thing she says to me is, wow, you have amazing teeth. <laughs> That's the first thing she says. I'm like, oh, wow, I don't know how to respond. Thank you. <laughs> I know. By the end of the night, by the end of the night, we exchange numbers. I never thought I would be the guy that would actually like meet a girl that's a waitress, but it, it's how it happens. And uh, we exchange numbers, and the way that happened is a whole other story, but it's not really relevant to what I'm getting at. And you've heard it said that a man should wait three days right before she, he should call a girl, right? Because if you wait, if you call sooner than three days, you look desperate, right? I waited less than 24 hours. I was really into this girl. I wanted to call her right away, and I asked her out on a date, and uh, it turned out as we were talking that uh, she was moving to Charleston in one week, and one week she was moving to Charleston, South Carolina, so I had this grand plan, this grand plan for this one week to get to know her, to impress her, to woo her, maybe, who knows. So that night we go to Ziggy Mahoney's with a couple my, my friend Mitch and his girlfriends, and we have fun. We really get to know each other a little bit, and then the next day or maybe the day after, we go uh, jet skiing. We go jet skiing, and then, yeah, I'm telling you, I planned this whole week out. <laughs> and what would you do if you had one week with a girl? So we went jet skiing, and then after that, we went to Bonefish Grill for dinner, because being a waitress at Outback Steakhouse, you get discounts at Bonefish, because I guess they're like a partnership. <laughs> so we used... We, we went to a Bonefish Grill, and then I think the day after that, or maybe two days after, we go miniature golfing. So I had this all planned out. It was a great week. It was a great week. Got to know each other. And I just remember that first night while on that date, you know, I cleaned up, and I, I put some cologne on, and I put my best clothes on. You know, I was just really pursuing this girl. I liked from the moment I met her at Outback. So... 
But in the midst of meeting her, I also met Jesus. I also met Jesus, and I was confronted with truths that I never really you know, gave much thought to in my life. Uh, but the week ended. We had one week, and it ended. And she moved, as we expected. And I had one week with this amazing girl, and just like that, it was finished. So we were at like this crossroads. You know, what do we do? Do we take ourselves out of the story and do we retreat from this? Or do we stay in it and just see what happens? Take action and stay in the story. It's to be continued. I'm not going to give you that answer yet. We'll talk about it a little later. Guys, what if we pursue Jesus as hard as we pursue someone we like, someone we love, or, or something that we're pursuing? The possibilities are limitless when we're messing with Jesus when we're pursuing hard after Jesus. We're at this middle point in, in the book of Ruth uh, where the story could go one, of one, and two way, one of two ways. Nomi can either take action on the hope that she sees or she could do nothing. She could do nothing. Today and next Sunday, uh, we have like this little tandem sermon. It's a two-part sermon. Paul's going to preach next week on the second part of this, uh, this storyline. And we're going to see, but today, uh, we're going to see the very beginnings of like a marriage forming. Uh, we're going to see a little bit of a marriage proposal, uh, the beginnings of it today. And we're also going to see uh, this, this where God is using uh, this, what's going on in this story to show us his marriage with us. His marriage with us. The story God is telling in Ruth is really going to start gaining traction today. You know, we've come a long way up until now. You know, the story has been built up a lot leading up to today. And we're going to learn these three responses that we need to be adopting. We need to be adopting in our lives as Christians. And if you are not a Christian here today, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to put your faith in Christ today. So by the end of today's message, I hope you're seeing Jesus. I hope you're seeking Jesus. I hope you're taking action and pursuing hard after Jesus and hard after redemption in your life. Let's read the scripture in full and then we'll break it down verse by verse. So Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. The scripture says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you? that it may be well with you. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Now, before we break down the scripture, let's review where we have been because it plays a significant role in where we are now in understanding exactly what's going on here. In the beginning of the book of Ruth, Naomi and her husband and sons are in Bethlehem, in the promised land, and famine strikes the land. So they bounce, they leave, but they don't have to. This is the promised land. They don't have to leave the promised land. God promised he's going to provide for them. They are right where they need to be in the promised land, but they bounce and go to Moab, which is where they shouldn't be. 
And what ends up happening is Naomi, her husband, and her two sons die in Moab, leaving Naomi with these two Moabite daughter-in-laws and leaving the three of them with no future, no security, no protection. Now, Naomi is hopeless, but Naomi catches wind that God is working back in Bethlehem. He's providing food for his people back in Bethlehem. So like a magnet, this just draws Naomi back to God. And Naomi and Ruth, they end up going back to Bethlehem. And it's like this act, this beautiful act of repentance and this return to God. Now, Naomi and Ruth, they arrive in Bethlehem. It's barley harvest. You know, it's the beginning of the spring. Uh, And Ruth, she volunteers to, to gather from God's providence in the fields. And she just so happens to gather in the field of a man named Boaz, who is a godly and righteous man. Now, Boaz hears about Ruth, and he meets her, and he blesses her with water, protection, and permission to keep gathering in his field. And to top it all off, he commands his servants to give her some of their grain, and he invites her into his house for a meal. And Ruth is just blown away by this. She's floored. Why are you doing this? Why are you blessing me? I'm a foreigner. I really don't even belong here. So she brings the barley home, the blessing home to Naomi, and she's like, Naomi's just like, where have you been today? This is insane. Who blessed you today? So Naomi sees all this hope, and when Ruth tells her that she meets Boaz, she knows God is working. She knows God is working because it just so happens that Boaz, this guy where she was gathering grain, is the family's redeemer. These aren't coincidences. God is at work. So Nomi knows this, and she acts on it. Now, what's the family redeemer? Let's just talk about that just a little bit, also known as the kinsman redeemer. God, in his law, provided provisions for widows to secure them and give them a future and protection. So when a husband dies, the family welfare will go to the oldest son. But remember, Naomi's husband died, but her two sons died also. So she has no hope, no, no future, no security, no protection. Their livelihood is at stake. And Boaz is the man who, by God's law, can redeem Ruth and Naomi and the family welfare. So Naomi is seeing all this with her own eyes, and these aren't coincidences. She is perceiving God to be at work. She's seeing God to be at work. She's seeing hope. God is moving, and He's putting things in place. But what is she going to do about it? What is she going to do about it? And that's where we are today. What is she going to do about it? So verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and the beginning of verse 2. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? Naomi's heart is beelining for redemption. She is pursuing hard after redemption. Remember in chapter 1, verse 9, when she was with Orpah and Ruth and she was trying to convince them to stay in Moab because that's where your hope is. 
It's in Moab. Stay with your husband's families. And she says in in verse 9 of chapter 1, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of your husband. Back then, she had very little hope. So here, two chapters later now, rest is still on her mind. She's searching. She's seeking. Looking for hope. And it continues to weigh heavily on her heart to seek this security and protection for Ruth. But this time, it's different. This time, she has hope. She has hope this time. This is our first point today. Our first point is today is seeing and seeking. Seeing and seeking. Are we beelining for redemption? Are we going hard after it? Are we seeing hope and seeking redemption in our lives? Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Now that Greek word used for the word rest that Jesus uses, it means, really, it means take my ease or take my rest. So when He's saying, I will give you rest, when we read that, we might be thinking, oh, that's awesome. Like it's the rest that we get like when, from sleep or something, or when we're just chilling on the couch and resting. That's not the rest. What Jesus is saying, take my rest, my ease. Jesus' rest and His ease is different. It's different. It's eternal rest. It's eternal ease. Eternal peace and security and protection. Are we seeing hope? Are we seeing Jesus? Jesus is the living hope. When we say we hope in something, yes, I have hope. What's your hope in? You know, we tend to throw that word around really lackadaisically. Is your hope in the universe? Is this something in the air where you're getting this hope? Because the only place where it's real is Jesus. Jesus is the living hope. He is tangible, real, flesh and blood hope. Jesus is alive and well. Are we seeking redemption? Do we even know redemption exists? No, not all of us. Not all of us. Some of us don't even know what is possible. We don't know God's Word. We don't know His law. We don't know His provisions for us and our salvation and provisions for a transformed life. For too many of us, redemption is just not a part of our vocabulary. It's just not a part of our story that we're in. But it can be. But you've got to seek it. You've got to see hope and you've got to seek after it. You've got to seek after redemption in your life. And you've got to join in what God is doing in your life. So Naomi has a plan. Naomi has a plan. She's planning and she's taking action on this hope that she sees. And that's what really today's Scripture is. It's this plan that she has. The end of verse 2 to verse 4. Here's the plan. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself. And put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. 
No need to ex Ruth to get up, clean up, put on some perfume, put your best, your best clothes on, and we're moving on this. We are going. We are approaching Boaz tonight. They're taking action on what they're seeing God is doing. Now, I want to talk a little about what this isn't and what this is. What this is not. She isn't matchmaking here. She's not matchmaking. This isn't like a sinister plan by Nomi to make Ruth a man trap. That's not what this is. She isn't cornering Boaz and trying to manipulate the situation. That's not what this is. This isn't just any plan. This isn't just any plan. What this is, is a redemptive plan. This is a redemptive plan. She is pursuing on behalf of Ruth redemption that is available to them by God's law. It's available to them by God's law. In this plan, Ruth is saying to Boaz, I respect you, I trust you, and I put my fate in your hands, and you are my only hope. Nomi is seeing hope in what God is doing, and in faith she's taking action and joining God in what she sees Him doing. And that's her second point today. Action and traction. Action and traction. Naomi won't know if love between Ruth and Boaz can work, if it can happen, and if redemption is going to come to her family. They won't know if they don't position themselves in God's work. How can they know if they don't get off their couch and do something? They won't know. You have to stay in the story. You have to have a plan and you have to take action. Proverbs 16.9. It's a popular verse. It says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You've got to have a plan. But God is sovereign and He establishes your steps forward. But you've got to move. You've got to move. Going back to that story from earlier. Back down memory lane, that waitress I was telling you about that I met at Outback Steakhouse, well, we stayed in the story. We stayed in the story. And fast forward about a one and a half years to Monday, January 4th, 2010. It's a mild winter in Georgia, pretty typical of the Georgia coast. Her parents' neighborhood has this community dock on the Black Banks River, which kind of runs adjacent to their neighborhood. And it's a dock that the family frequents. We, we went there a lot um, to, to hang out. I asked her to go for a walk, and she knew something was up because I would never ask that question. <laughs> Why are you asking me this? You would never ask this. I still don't really ask to go for a walk. <laughs> so we started walking, and I have this like this 100-plus-year-old heirloom, beautiful diamond ring in my pocket, not in the box, so it's just in like my dirty pocket. I, you know, I can't put it in the box, because if it's in the box, then it's sticking out in my pocket, and you can see it, and it's going to give away what's going on. She's going to be like, What's, what is that? So we get to the dock, we talk, and I pop the question. I propose to this girl. I asked her to marry me because I loved her, 
But I also asked her to marry me because I knew, I knew God was in this. I knew it. I knew God was in this. You see, we were long distance. Our entire relationship from the time we met to the time we got married, we were long distance. It was hard. We had a lot of joy, but there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of tension. We had a lot of breaking points. Like, is this going to continue? But sometimes we wanted out. But we prayed and we stayed and we felt God's leading and we just stayed in it and we kept marching forward. We always saw hope. We always saw hope that just kept driving us forward. And it was at a point where it was just time. It was just time to take action. God, you are in this. This has to happen. And so I proposed to her. We saw hope, but how could we know what God might be doing if we didn't stay in the story and take action on what we were seeing? As we stayed in the story and in the relationship, God began creating this traction and just marching us forward and moving our hearts towards Him and towards each other. And that girl is now my wife, Stephanie of almost five years and the mother of my 10-month-old daughter. Yes. It's amazing. Guys, we're not special by any means. We all have a story. We all have a story. All of us have hope in our lives. The question is just, are we seeing it? And if we're seeing it, are we seeking after it? Are we taking action on this hope that we see? There's redemption for all of us, but are we responding? Some of us, were at this pivotal point in our lives where the story you're in, it could go in one of two ways. It could go somewhere, or it could go nowhere. Somewhere or nowhere. I like somewhere a lot better than nowhere. I'm willing to take a risk to see what God's going to do with this, then not take a risk at all and just wonder the rest of my life what could have happened. Some of us have an area of our life that needs redemption. Maybe it's our marriage or our family or maybe, maybe it's our health. Maybe it's our salvation. But we're not willing to do anything about it. You know, maybe it's your marriage. Your marriage is just wallowing. God, just fix this. God's like, go see a counselor. Do something. But pray about it. Seek and trust Jesus that He's working in this and molding you and forming you and testing your character and building your endurance through this. Maybe it's your health. And you're just sitting there and you just want something to happen. Do something. Go see a doctor. But pray and seek and trust in Jesus that His will be done and that He's testing you and molding you and forming your character and building your endurance. Maybe you need a job or something. Maybe you're having financial problems and you're just sitting there. God, just throw money at me. No. Go look for a job. Apply for one. Get a job. And just seek, 
pray and seek and trust in Jesus that He's going to sovereignly place you where you need to be. Because you're making plans, but He's establishing your steps. Trust in that. Take responsibility for your marriage and your family and your health. Pray and stay in the story. See the hope and seek redemption. Act on that hope. Trust in Jesus and go. And go. Work out your salvation. Work out your faith if you have not. Work it out. Put forth effort into your Christian life. Make it evident in every area of your life. Activate this salvation that was freely given to you by God. Use it. Take action. God gave you hands and feet. God shows you enough to go, but in faith, you've got to go. You've got to go. Naomi and Ruth, they're going. As you can see, they're going. They're moving. They see this hope. Ruth, get your clothes on. Put some perfume on. You're going to the threshing floor. We're moving on this hope. Jesus' ministry was filled with action. And it just kept building traction. And it just marched Him forward all the way up to the cross. God shows us hope in our lives and we have to take action because it's going to build traction in our lives. And it's going to march us and propel us to our own cross where redemption is found. Now for our third point, I want to shed light on the threshing floor. Because I believe this is really important. At the end of verse 2, 2b, see, it says, See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Naomi's plan revolves around the threshing floor. Why did she choose the threshing floor? Other than she knew that Boaz would be there. We don't know. But what we do know is we know what the threshing floor is. We know know what it is, and we need to talk about it. So what is the threshing floor? Grain, when it's gleaned, when it's gathered, grain is protected by an encasing called chafe. Called chafe. Now the chafe is indigestible, and it has to be removed, and it has to be gotten rid of. Now when the grain is gathered, the threshing floor is where the grain is separated from the chafe through the process of winnowing. And a threshing floor can be huge. It can be the size of the sanctuary. It it depends on how much grain is being gathered. So the grain falls in the threshing floor for collection. The chafe is collected and plowed into the soil or it's burned. And this process of winnowing is just beating the grain on the threshing floor until the chafe comes off the grain. And then it's separated and gathered. Now winnowing is such an important duty that the master took it upon himself to do the winnowing. He took it upon himself to do it. Which means Boaz was the one who would be doing it on that night. And this connection, this connection between Ruth and Boaz is happening here on the threshing floor. That's our third and final point today. Is this concept, this response of connection. Connection and redemption. In Naomi's redemptive plan, I believe God is sovereignly using the threshing floor as a focal point. 
sovereignly using it as a central point of this connection, this focal point. You see, I believe this is the first time in the book of Ruth where we're actually catching a glimpse of something much, much bigger going on here. Much greater than merely a romance between two people. We're seeing the beginnings of a romance between God and us in our marriage with God. You see, through the Redeemer Boaz and the threshing floor, God is pointing the way to our redemption made possible through Jesus. Listen to what John the Baptist says about Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 12. John the Baptist says this about Jesus His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. Mm. The Master Himself, Jesus Christ, takes it upon Himself to do the winnowing. Redemption is through Him and Him alone. Him and Him alone. Does this... I want to ask you guys, does this repel us from Jesus? Or does this propel us toward Him? This is the greatest choice we have in our life. Do we repel from Him or propel to Him? Are we seeing hope and seeking redemption and taking action? Because when we do, it builds traction and our connection with Jesus brings redemption in our lives. So what's, respond, what's, what's Ruth's response to all of this? What's her response? In verse 5 is her response. It says, And she replied, All that you say... I will do. All that you say, I will do. This simple, impactful response from Ruth is what sets us up for next week when Paul preaches. Ruth could have said, are you crazy? I will have no part in this scheming and dreaming of yours. That's not her response. Because of her hesed love, her great, deep love for Naomi, she obeys We're seeing obedience here. This is the kind of obedience that God uses to propel us forward in His work and in His plan. It's the kind of obedience He's going to use to continue to propel Ruth and Naomi in His work, in His plan, in their lives, in their redemption. It's no different than today. God, He doesn't need our obedience to work. God can do anything He wants. He wants our obedience. He wants it because it's what He uses, our consistent obedience to keep marching us forward in His work. Consistent obedience. So today, as you can see, it's just a plan. Today is just a plan. And next week is the execution of the plan. Dun, 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 dun. Stay tuned. This is to be continued. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we just thank you for, oh God, what we know you're doing, Lord. We all have hope in our lives. Lord, are, are we seeing it? Are we seeking it? God, I pray that we take action or we take responsibility. 
uh, for, our, for our faith, Lord. God, you give us uh, faith. It's merely a response on our part, Lord, but you gave us hands and feet, and you call us to move, Lord. You call us to move towards you and towards your work. Lord, we've got to get off our couches, and we've got to do something, Lord. We've got to have a plan, Lord, but we've got to trust you because you're going to establish our steps. Lord, and I pray that if there's somebody in here that doesn't know Jesus, that hasn't placed his trust and his faith in Jesus, that it happens, Lord, that the needle moves in their life. God, they, take, they start taking responsibility for their family and their salvation, Lord, and that they respond. Father, thank you. We're grateful for your word to have this on paper. We're grateful that you can speak it to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.